investing in the Michelle Pfeiffer uh, C CPO <laughs> IPO IPO yeah. Well, it's not initial. It's not, <laughs> it's not initial. It's definitely not the initial. <laughs> what's the What's the old version of an IPO? <laughs> I don't know. I say bye bye bye. Okay. Get those CPOs. Greed is good. Get those CPUs. They were once our favorite action stars. Now they sort of lowered the bar. Yeah, they're still a blockbuster name. Even though their movies are kind of lame. But we still love them anyway. Cause they make the bad guys pay. It's over the kill. There was one that exploded a little low. That was kind of dangerous. Hit. I didn't. Uh, I didn't look at a single firework this year. Did not. Did not that sounds about go right. Outside. Did not even look at the skies. I don't want to celebrate this country. Yeah, you, you don't in any even way. like America. Yeah, I don't think this country deserves to be celebrated right now. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I, I boycotted. Yeah. Resist, my, resist my, the country. I, I withheld my sense of spectacle. <laughs> um, I did not lend my child-eyed wonderment to the mm-hmm. to the circus that's currently going on around us. Hashtag resist patriotism. Hashtag um, no fireworks in my skyworks. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtags have to rhyme, right? Yep. <sighs> I'll tell you one spectacle that I did uh, enjoy recently, however, and that was the spectacle of cinema. <laughs> yeah, well done. Yeah. Well done. Um, and uh, specifically the spectacle of the, the juggernaut, uh, pun intended, of Marvel's cinematic... Um, sure. What is it? Machine, I think? Their cinematic... Uh, War Machine? Yeah, their cinematic War Machine... That is, uh, that has been an absolute hulk at the box office. Uh, yeah, we saw, uh, we saw, I, I saw, and you saw, a, um, a Marvel movie called Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yep, I think you pronounced the first one wrong. I uh, know, it's, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. No, <laughs> sorry, so what was that word? Aunt? Aunt? Ant-Man? Aunt. Ant-Man, yeah. Yeah. He has the power of sending you uh, <laughs> <I'm> really... old, <laughs> still still shrink wrap DVDs. Yeah, and really large on your birthday. Really large beaded necklaces and travelers checks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, and uh, and telling you to take your shoes off on the good rugs in, yeah. in his house. Floral dresses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, starring uh, Paul Rudd, but uh, also God. starring... Um, I love Paul Rudd. He's fantastic. God. Everybody loves Paul Can Rudd. Can we just talk about him? I think it's kind of a joke at this point how much people like Paul Rudd. It's like become its own kind of meme. It's Wasn't true. there... There's even some joke at like the Academy Awards or something where you're just like, and best of all, Paul He's Rudd's impossible here. impossible yeah. not to yeah. like. Everybody loves him. Yeah. But... Paul Rudd, uh, much like he was in the movie, is only going to be kind of uh, like a secondary focus of our podcast today, because this is Over the Kill, and we don't talk about young actors on this podcast. Uh, Not that Paul Rudd's young. I think at best we call him middle age. I think he's, um, you know, he's aged gracefully, but uh, he's, he's, you know, starting to show some signs of not world weariness. This is not about Paul Rudd, Dan. Wisdom. This is not about Paul Rudd. There's there's certainly a a sort of I want to say like an, aging an just exasperation fine. with like knowing that comes with just kind of knowing the world intimately in a way that only somebody of advanced years really can. Um, Pete has now gotten up to walk somewhere. I think he's checking his phone. Um, so uh, yeah, and and speaking of that, that feeling of. Um, wisdom of of ennui that that comes with age uh the actor that we did go to this movie to see um and that was a little, a little misdirection by me as well because it wasn't just actor it was actor and actress oh, he's that 49 we years old. paul rudd is on the cusp he's 49 that's 49. what i've been saying he's 49 years old he is he is 
just inching into over-the-kill territory. He looks amazing for his age. But once again, you've distracted me. The real reason that we assembled, much <laughs> like the Avengers, to see this movie uh, was to see two icons. I think we can say icons of this silver screen. I only knew one of them was in it. Um, well, then, uh, yeah, I guess the, the, uh, surprise of this movie was, it hit you even harder, uh, because it was Michael Douglas and also Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, two of our most precious, uh, golden oldies, golden oldies. Yeah. I was going to, I was thinking silver, silver haired and I wanted to graduate to gold. (laughs) I couldn't think of what the thing was. They are silver-haired in this movie. They are. Um, but yes, they're two precious, precious golden oldies. Fiercely silver. And on this podcast, that's what we talk about. We talk about people who were once big action stars and have now aged beyond uh, being able to play those roles. Yes. And about how they've adjusted their careers accordingly. And what I love to say, so many of them are ending up in Marvel movies these days, and that's just great for us. That is... Everybody... I, Everybody's in a Marvel movie. I think you said something about this earlier, and I, I agree with it, and I like it a lot, that there seems to be a wave of... I don't know if it's nostalgia, but, like, of of people... The stars of the movie, your your heroes, reckoning with the generation before them in whatever way. And a lot of times it's parents. If it, Like you yes. said, Thanos and uh, uh, Iron Man's father and uh, whatever else. The overarching theme of Marvel movies could be your relationship with your parents. But I think they've expanded even beyond this now to be like like the sins of the previous generation and kind of righting these wrongs. Yeah. And I want to get... We'll talk more about this later, but actually one of my really big complaints, if the only complaint about this movie maybe, is that so much of it is built up to be like, we're in this mess because of Michael Douglas and the way that he was reckless and shitty as a younger person and now all of his ghosts have come back to haunt him literally because the villain is named ghost a little bit mm-hmm. um but there's no point in this movie where he acknowledges that and was like hey i wasn't always a great person like, no. there's no awareness of him that like hey maybe i'm a little bit responsible for this mess that we've all gotten into no and i think well i mean that kind of makes him sort of an interesting character right because i agree with your point but they don't they don't focus on that too much, and his character himself blames uh, Paul Rudd for all of their misfortunes, right? Oh, yeah, and he's, like, especially when Lawrence Fishburne comes into the movie, a character who's, like, at least the viewer, like, much more compassionate and sympathetic, he is just mean to him yeah, <laughs> like, so, the I whole mean, time. Yeah. I think he's very human in this, where he's sort of deflecting this. Well, I, I like it, too, for a couple of reasons. Also, like... Hank Pym in the comics, notorious, like, just a bastard. Right, uh, I mean... Um, actually, I think was, like, spouse, spousal abuser, um, which is ironic, considering the whole gist of this movie is him, like, rescuing his wife, who's been mm-hmm. lost in the quantum realm for 30 years. So, yeah, Hank Pym, it's true to the character that he is kind of uh, a douchebag. Um, but... It seemed in this movie they didn't really acknowledge that, nor did they acknowledge to the other side that, like, he has to, like, make amends for what he's done. Yeah. They I, just kind of seem content to let him continue existing as kind of a jerk. I think that's true. And um, and I think that makes sense for Michael Douglas. And if you look back at his acting career, and if you look back at his filmography, <laughs> that's his M.O., right? He's kind of a jerk. Yeah, which... Uh, we should definitely talk about his his uh, career. I also want to talk about Michelle Pfeiffer's career. I think we should give them kind of equal time because coming in, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of both. Coming into this, I would say I'm probably a bigger Pfeiffer fan than uh, than Douglas. That's okay. I, I would agree with that. I <clears throat> At least, yeah, Michael Douglas's early career and acting career, mm-hmm. I would say, not producing. Um I don't know. There are you know that you know many about, standouts. The thing that's really interesting about Michael Douglas, and probably the reason why we don't feel that I don't know enthused or like enamored with him as an actor, is because his best roles, his movies that are classics, are all the movies that we weren't allowed to see as kids. They're all the movies that like that's were true. a little out of our age range. That's true. And maybe like. Are really like clicked and, and uh, blew up with our parents' generation, but I think it was all like 
And as a kid, I'm not saying, like, my parents weren't, like, super vigilant about you can't see any R-rated movies. Mm. But I feel like if Michael Douglas was in something, they were like, this is going to be especially yeah. like, I mean, gritty. Well, <laughs> his greasy. films yeah. are about adult relationships mm. and the issues that happen. And there are a lot of sexual themes going on. And yeah, it's always dirty sex. Yeah, like, it's like their... just greasy, grimy sex. And those aren't yeah. exactly the movies that you would go back and watch in a previous generation, right? Like, I'm not... I mean, people are still watching... I want to go back and watch 80s action movies. I don't really want to go back and look Psychological at... Psychological thrillers? Yeah. Like, also because, like, so much of, like, where we are as a society now feels like we've moved beyond that psychology where, like, I think it was interesting where you were reading his Wikipedia page and didn't it say something like his movies are about like middle-class men who are tormented by psychopathic women. Yeah, I mean, it's actually women yeah. scorned. Yeah, and now yeah. we kind of look back and we're like, hey, maybe these men aren't, you know, the innocent victims here. <laughs> Hasn't maybe, aged that well. Maybe uh, Michael Douglas' character is a little more culpable for this than, uh, than that he'd like us to believe. <laughs> Um, yeah, the one movie of him I remember seeing as a kid when it like was kind of out and was the thing was the game, and I just found that to be like confusing and boring, yeah, well, in, in equal measure. Well, you know, he's got a he's got a couple of these movies, and you know, and it was probably most famous old movie at this point, or or one of them is, is Wall Street, right? I think and, I think you could say it's like the Wall Street. Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct. Those, those are, are those are famous. classics for sure. But also, I don't think we're giving credit to, and this is the other one that I forgot that my parents tr- like introduced me to and like really, really pulled for me to like it. Like it, they, because I, I when I was a kid I was a big fan of The Princess Bride and they showed me Romancing the Stone and they're like, oh, it's just like The Princess Bride. It's nothing like The Princess no, Bride. It's, <laughs> it's it is a it's an out and out lie. Yeah, it is. Like, I get what they're saying tonally. It's got the romance and the comedy and the kind mm-hmm. of action. But there's none of the good-natured, like, like sense of, you know, wonder that The Princess Bride has. And it's, it's like, a kind of, like, sleazy Danny DeVito driving around the jungle. And, uh, who is it? It's like, Richard, uh, not Richard. Uh, uh, Michael Douglas and, I can't even remember who the woman is, like, escaping from poorly made sets. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, for me, a lot of his movies aren't that memorable, uh, but I have <clears throat> a particular issue with, with Wall Street. Why? Because what don't you like about Wall Street? I found that it's just inspired a generation of assholes. I don't think you can put that blame on Wall Street. I think that I that would, goes... That, no. That gets We've evenly been to split between... with people who idolize Gordon Gecko. I think that the blame for those people who are all now outside having brunch um, is kind of split between maybe like a little bit of Wall Street, but there's also a little bit of like Scarface in there. Like yeah, a little bit Brian of De Palma gets a little like Goodfellas is not is not uh, maybe, free of maybe blame my here. Sorts of, uh... Uh, and you know what? You know what's a big one? Boondock Saints. <laughs> you better believe know. that was on all of those guys' dorm room walls. Um, I don't know. I think Wall Street gets a lot of the blame just for, and also the impression oh, that other people get. I don't know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? Like, yeah, uh, it's a little bit. That's kind of the sales. always be selling? Yeah, that's like yeah. the sales piece. The Alec, like Baldwin, the Alec Baldwin. Yeah. But I still think Gordon Gecko is like the king of this. And Greed is good, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look, you could say that was like capturing something about the 80s, which probably was. I, I remember when I got my first job in Manhattan and I was making absolutely no money, but I had to wear a button-down shirt to work. And uh, my well, that's fr- every job. Yeah, I know. And my <laughs> yeah. friend's dad made fun of me for being a yuppie, just like Gordon Gecko. <laughs> I mean, I think that says that's more making about... like $17 an hour. That says more about your friend's dad. <laughs> but like, like, that's the image they have of people that travel to Manhattan to work. They're just like... But, see, that, like, I I don't think... I don't blame Gordon Gecko for that. I I feel like your friend's dad has a twisted sense of... Well, you know. Um... So, uh, anyway, yes, Wall Street, classic movie, Michael Douglas very much embodied a sleazebag, better than anybody acting at that time. Yeah, that is really his M.O. And also, I gotta give him credit, 
Um, a pretty cool way to enter the industry. Obviously, had a huge advantage with his dad being a legend. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea of just being like, I can't quite make it as an actor yet. I'm going to start producing movies. He was a big TV actor at that point, I think, where he was kind of like... Well, he caught a break, but I mean... Well, you know. he. I think what I've heard, heard is that he wanted to transition from, you know, TV to movies. Right, and that's not and, easy to do. Yeah, and he wasn't getting... People were saying, you know, there's not really roles for you, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, like you said, he said, all right, then I will start producing movies and I'll make roles for myself. Which is what happened in Romancing the Stone. It's what happened in a few of his movies. Appreciate like he, it. It's a power move. It's yeah. a Gordon Gecko move, really. <laughs> it's a Gordon Gecko move. Uh, and I bet, and he cleaned up. I mean, like he produced uh, like a twenty-time over Oscar when it was first yeah, produ- was... Produ- uh, producing spots was One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest, which is cool too because that was his father's great dream was to get that made into a movie. Yeah. And then he was able to you know fully realize he won an that, Oscar at yeah. a very young age. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's he's been a big part of the movie industry for ages. And I think what's really interesting about him especially is that even though those words were his characters and he, you know, played that really slimy type very well, by all accounts, seems like a pretty oh, yeah, nice like he, person in real life. Yeah, tremendous humanity. does date people who are, like, minimum 20 years younger than him. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I guess married. he's been married to somebody. But they've been married for a long time. They have been. Probably one of the more successful marriages, and yeah, I feel like there were a few bumps along the road. I feel like she's probably like they probably TV. have an, a, an agreement where she can like get railed by some like <laughs> younger guys. And... I would hope for her sake. Yeah, I mean, how old is he now? Uh, he is seventy eight, I think. Yes. Wait, is it seventy eight? Yeah, seventy eight, and she's forty. No, she's forty eight, and he's seventy three. Or she's 43 and he's 78. Well, I, sh- I know that she's 25 years younger than he is. Yeah, I think in either Catherine case. Catherine Zeta-Jones. So right. either he's 73 and she's 48, or he's 78 and she's 43. Anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, so that's nice for them. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Michelle Pfeiffer, who I'm, I'm more uh, interested in talking you, about. I love Michelle love Pfeiffer. Her, don't you? Huge fan. I think one of the, like, I don't like more versatile, but also just, like, more fun actresses over a long span of time. I mean, she's a legend. Um, totally. Like, Catwoman. Catwoman. Like, she's really our over-the-kill action She's on here for Catwoman. Yeah. Certainly, Catwoman is more of an action role than anything Michael Douglas has ever done. Yeah, which I think was kind of the first thing I was, like, introduced to her in, which... Yeah, me too. You know, that makes an impression on you. Like, it does. crazy Tim Burton, like, uh, stitching suit. God. You know, I appreciate the Tim Burton Batmans more and more now. I don't know if I do. They're just fun. You kind of miss the comic book feel of, of superhero movies. It's so that, different now. That didn't feel comic booky though. It felt like Tim Burton-y. You know, like, it's fantasy. That's not what Tim Burton looked like. I feel like all of his movies take place inside a snow Well, globe. you say that now. <laughs> what? <laughs> because he's made a bunch of bad movies since then and now no, it's like, I mean, like oh, yeah, I think, I've had enough of Tim Burton. I think a lot of his bad movies are the ones that go away from that aesthetic actually. Like I think that yeah, his worst movies, the more recent ones are all like they don't kind of look like the Edward Scissorhands world anymore. They look like they're trying to be in the real world or something like big eyes. <laughs> so anyway, back to Pfeiffer. Back to her. Yeah, so Catwoman Legend. Awesome, yeah. Uh, I we talked a little bit about this just now. Um, I really love Lady Hawk. Loved that movie as a kid. Lady Hawk. That great. that movie was a little bit like Princess Bride. Classic. That's a good point. That like one actually slapsticky, is. Uh, yeah. Comedy and adventure and romance. Yeah. All all in equal proportion. Good good time. No uh, no Peter Falk in that one though. No, that actually probably was the X Factor. That, that is thing. the X Factor. Uh, it's a yeah, book. Uh, just, uh, just uh, one more thing, real quick. Uh, you need a little bit of Peter Falk in your movie. <laughs> that was my Columbo impression. Suit yourself. That's what is that? That's Peter Falk. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think it is. <laughs> okay, that was better. Uh, yeah, Peter Falk missing from that movie. What else? Uh, she was also in Scarface, um, yes. as you said. What else? I So between her and Michael Douglas really inspired a generation of assholes. Scarface. Oh, Scarface. Yeah, well, Wall I mean, Street. I'm going to put that one on Pacino, uh, not so much her. Yeah, but she's part of it. She's I culpable. So. 
I I love her, and this is like fairly recent by comparison. This was I think early two thousands maybe. Is it early 2011, I want to say, maybe? It was Stardust. Stardust, another very Princess Bride-like movie. And uh, loved it. Uh, she is an amazing villain in that movie. Like, manages to be, like, complex and threatening and very evil. I don't think I've seen that one. Have you not seen Stardust? Oh, it's Is it like Golden awesome. Compass? No, it's... It's, like, based on a Neil Gaiman story. It's very much, like, it's, like, a guy, a kid who lives in, like, we should just watch it after this, after we record this. Let's just watch it. He goes into a magical world. I think I did see it. meets Claire Danes. Isn't that, like, Golden they Compass? They go on an adventure. What? Golden Compass is in some, like, post-industrial nightmare world. This is in, like, a pastoral, like, fantasy kingdom. Okay, I'm thinking of Stardust. You're, are you thinking of Stardust? I think I saw it. What else happens in it? Uh, they fly on something's back. <laughs> At some point. What? Is there a creature? You're thinking of never-ending story. No. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, there's no creature they fly on. They fly on a flying pirate ship. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much... I don't think they fly on anything else. Is Daniel Craig in it? Oh, it was 2007, not 2011. Daniel Craig's not in it? What the hell? You're thinking of Golden Compass. I think it's Golden Compass. Yes, and there's of. polar bears with armor on. That's the one, polar bears. <laughs> that's a very different movie. Like I said... Post-industrial atheist nightmare world versus, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like, traditional fantasy kingdom. Mm. Yeah, Golden Compass, as much as I love that book as a kid, is, like, paints a picture of a real horrific (laughs) universe. Uh, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's so dark. Anyway, um, so I loved her in Stardust. She's the villain, she's a witch, she's, like, very sultry and evil and scary but also like you sort of see where she's coming from she'll be uh, reprising a similar role in Maleficent 2 Maleficent Maleficent Martin Maleficent Maleficent 2 uh was she in Maleficent 1 no that was uh so who does she play in Maleficent 2 uh new queen new evil queen you can always have an evil wait queen. isn't Angelina Jolie the evil? I don't know if she's evil but she's the queen queens are usually evil See, Maleficent is a huge fucking problem because Maleficent. her name is Maleficent, Maleficent, which means bad. You can't have her be, like, the sympathetic character. <laughs> like, oh, I see why she turned bad. No. She's named Maleficent. She She's could bad. change her name to Beneficent. Yeah. Change her name to Benef- Benef- Benevolent. Not Beneficent. Beneficent. <laughs> well, you gotta keep some of the old name, right? Benefic- I know. By Beneficent. That's not a word. <laughs> Her name's not malevolent. It's Maleficent. Beneficent. Yeah, true. Fair enough. Give me that. Male- maleficent? Wait, wait, it's like... What is it? Is it Maleficent? I'm right. Okay. Beneficent. <laughs> How'd that movie end? Was she good at the end? <laughs> no. Well, it ends, it ends with her being like, I'm going to punish the people who were bad to me. So, no. I mean, she's not really good. It was the origin story. She's kind of a hashtag anti-hero. It was the origin story. Hashtag Venom. Hashtag find your inner anti-hero. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But uh, good for her. She's going to be in um, Beneficent. uh, (laughs) Beneficent, too. Uh, What else? Um, Yeah, so yeah, I loved her in Stardust. uh, But I've been a fan of so many things that I've seen her in. And I always find her to be one of the more enjoyable parts of whatever the movie is. Other than Married to... Not Married to the Mob. Um, the one she did with De Niro recently that just looked like a dump. Um, the Family. Didn't see it, but... Oh, boy. Didn't look good. No. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that she tends to take fun roles, though. Because, like, both of these people who are kind of these... Like we said earlier, like, uh, elder statesmen of Hollywood, statesmen and women of Hollywood, I think it's cool when they take on these more popcorn-y Yeah, action. they're legends. Yeah. And then, and, but, I mean, it's very says, similar to Keaton, you know, when we talked about him. Yeah, like, so that says something kind of about the state of movies at this point, right? Like, these are the movies to be in. There's, well, I wonder, there's though, not a lot else going on. I wonder, like, do you think the draw is just like, I'm going to make a ton of money on this? Or do you think it's like, hey, that seems like a fun group of people doing fun things? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, like, God knows, like, the... The core group of Marvel actors seems like they all get along really well and like have I mean, a good time I would, making these movies. I would think if you're an actor, 
you want to do stuff that you know people are going to enjoy and see you in, and these are the movies that people are enjoying and going but to But at see. the same time, like, there's a little bit of that idea of, like, this material is goofy or silly or I can't engage with it in a meaningful way... Yeah. Which, I mean, wow, well, man. What yeah, I... We seem to get a lot of that from the older actors where you're not really sure if they're saying these lines out of spite or if they're actually enjoying them. I, I will I will always love the story that, like, Sean Connery, when they were making Lord of the Rings, they went to him and they were like, hey, we want you to play Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. And, uh, like, they offered it. They basically, like, offered him the farm. They were like, you can have 10% of, like, total profits of this or something. It's like something ridiculous. We're like... You're going to make billions of dollars. And he was like, I can't make sense of this. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that accent is, but like, uh, this doesn't make any sense to me. What are these wizards and sorcerers and swords and sorcerers, sorcerers and elves and fuck. <laughs> Bring out the kiwi, Dan. Yeah, get it. Bring out the kiwi. Get it off my desk. <laughs> I don't know what. Uh, yeah, so Connery was from the other camp being like, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe this is going to be a big success, but I, I don't understand it at all. Yeah. I don't know how to act in this make-believe world, so I'm not taking it. Michael Douglas, on the other hand, I... I guess all into talking about quantum realms and I, I, part quantum of me, vacuums and you quantum know I still question energy. Like, like <laughs> do you think like Michael Douglas gets his like scripts and just flips there and is like the fuck is this shit? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, kind of bullshit, some of his lines are now. just like, yeah, <laughs> what the fuck is he saying? Yeah, uh, there's a throwaway line in the movie where Paul Rudd says. Do you just say quantum in front of any word you want? <laughs> it, like, makes sense. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer seemed a little more game for what she was doing, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, she was into it. But that's the thing, too, is Michael Douglas's character is supposed to be surly, so it's hard to tell. Hard to tell. Are you being surly about this weird, like, crazy shit you need to say, or are you just acting the way your character is supposed to act? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, hard, hard to tell, and at the moment, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe it will in the future, but for now, it's, it's yeah, indistinguishable. No, it makes for very enjoyable movies, and I really appreciate the, uh, the Ant-Men movies. Um, they're a nice, they're a nice break from the other, the other movies. I mean, I think you would so... say the Ant-Man movies, because there's a single Ant-Man in multiple movies, so movies would be plural, but still you're gonna keep Ant-Man saying, unless there were multiple Ant-Men. Ant-Men. There's just the, the one. Multiple Ant-Mans. Oh. Nope, there's an Ant-Man and there's Ant-Man. a Wasp. And there, that is then never the twain shall meet. Well, I like I like an the uh, I like the break. I think they I think they moved this back um, specifically so it would come after Infinity War. Uh, which does serve as a nice little break from the Yeah. Sort of uh, intense storyline. They moved us well, it's concurrent, I would imagine, with Infinity it's War. It's concurrent, but yeah, like it's, for it's, for like from our vantage point. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little palette refresher as we go into next year. Well, that was, we'll talk about the movie, though. We'll just run through the plot very, the plot's pretty simple, so there's not a ton you need to, no. like, just, just know, fun. Out. It's a lot yeah. of fun. And that's, it is very, like, palette cleanser is a good thing to say. Like, I found this movie to be really good natured. Yeah. Even the stakes, even at their highest, weren't like the world is going to explode or anything, no. you yeah. know. Uh, like one of my favorite things, even the villain was not really a villain. Was, like the stakes of... were um, either somebody who's disappearing will disappear entirely, or somebody who's been gone for thirty years isn't going to come back. Yeah, uh, basically, Minor stakes. basically two lives were Minor at stake stakes at the most ever. Yeah, and also then the stakes, which which felt meaningful, and I love like this is so clutch to me. This is so big to me that like in this movie. The world was not going to explode. It wasn't going to be invaded by aliens or anything. But the prospect of Paul Rudd going back to prison and not getting to see his daughter for 20 years felt as important as stopping, you know, an extra-dimensional invasion. Like, that felt as meaningful to you as the audience being like, I really don't want to see him go to jail because 
the relationship with his daughter is really sweet and it's, it's I would a good that. lesson for yeah. you superhero filmmakers out there yeah justice league take <laughs> notes world doesn't have to blow up for it uh, no, you don't need you mother boxes <laughs> you just need a, a little character connection right <laughs> yeah. dan yeah yeah just a, a hey maybe you just need a mother just how about leave the box out just some <laughs> Just include a just include a Martha. <laughs> DC is all about mothers. Yeah, Martha boxes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought that was really well done. How everybody's personal stakes felt very important. Him not getting to see his daughter. Even Michael Pena, like the idea of that business failing, was so far. It was like a tertiary quat quat. Tor- tertiary plot. It's not it, quartertiary. I don't know. <laughs> Qua- it's third or fourth. Quartieri. Quartieri. Yeah. Uh It's it's way down the line of plots, but the idea that like Michael Pena's business will go bankrupt is also you're like I don't want to see that happen. I like these guys. Well, I think they did a really good job of showing everybody's self interest in this, and yeah. you made a good point that there were no real villains. It was just except like, for that one Southern guy. Yeah, uh, but it was just a lot of conflicting self interests. Who is the guy from Vice Principals? Uh, he's great. He's, he's very fun. great. He's in um, what's his name? Hateful Eight. Oh, I haven't seen Hateful Eight. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, Walton Goggins. Yeah, he's he's very funny in this also. Yeah, I enjoy him. But I mean, they just they show everybody's. Like nobody's perfect in this movie, and Michael Douglas is sort of the prime example of that. Where you know, he's a good guy, but he's right, also so, kind of a dick. Yeah, let's run through like a little bit of just the bare bones of the plot is uh, Scott Lang, Paul Rudd, uh, Ant-Man, is on house arrest because he went over to Germany in um, Captain America Civil War to help with the Civil War. And he got in trouble, so they put him on house arrest for two years. If he's caught leaving his house, um, he will go to prison for 20 years. If he interacts with Michael Douglas or Evangeline Lilly, he'll go to prison for 20 years. So already you have this fun game of it's like the almost like the Mr. Doubtfire, like or Mrs. Doubtfire, like you can't catch him in the yeah. wrong place at the wrong time. Miss Featherbottom, if you will. Mrs. Featherbottom, if yeah. you will. Um, yeah, so right away there's this fun game of the movie where it's like the Ant-Man people need him to do something, but every time he's out in public, there's a chance he'll need to run back, and, uh, run back home and pretend that he's been there the whole time. Uh... So that's going on. Meanwhile, uh, Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly uh, are starting to realize that there's a chance that Michelle Pfeiffer, his wife, her mother, is still alive in the quantum realm. The original wasp. The original white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Uh, There's a chance that she's still alive in the quantum realm, which is this subatomic level of smallness Just keep where... saying quantum and it'll make sense. <laughs> Just throw a few more in there. Oh, I like that the quantum... And then this is something I'm interested in is, like, do you think that quantum realm is now going to interact with some of the magical stuff that's happening in the other movies? Well, once you Maybe. quantum down to the quantum a little bit, I think you'll get a good quantum out of that. You can't... You gotta put quantum in front of things. You can't just say quantum. It's not like Smurf. Quantum. You're not like... We're gonna we're gonna take these quantum berries over to uh, my quantum house and... That's pretty much how they used it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's connected to the Soul Stone, if that's what you're going for, we'll Dan. See. I don't think we'll so. See. Anyway, uh, the Quantum Realm is this magical, mysterious place where apparently you can exist for 30 years without it's eating. It's not magical. It's, it's, it's subatomic. Mag- how did she survive there without eating He's or drinking? Su- how Do you know what quantum means? Subatomic. Uh, no, quantum does not mean subatomic. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> do you want to? I'm pretty sure it does. How certain of you? You can't go subatomic. That's the line he says, and it's all about quantum. Quantum physics. Mm-hmm. Uh, quantum, I think, Just is a particle. Quick, what does quantum mean again? It's a, it's a subatomic particle. Mm, interesting. A subatomic particle, yeah. A quantum? So quark. it would be a quantum. That's a quark. That's a quark, yes. But quantum describes all those things. Quantum is a discrete quantity of energy proportional in magnitude to the frequency of the radiation it represents. Or, two, a required or allowed amount, especially an amount of money, legally payable on damages. <laughs> so they're in a realm where everything you destroy needs to be paid in full <laughs> by that sum of money. It's a very litigious realm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so quantum 
describes a quantity of energy. It doesn't really. Whatever. They're going down and down. I wouldn't describe it as magical. I would describe it no, as them it's getting magical smaller though and because the energy there apparently heals all wounds and sustains you without food or water for That's 30 true. years. We don't as a civilization know much about quantum energy. Yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer now can just touch people and shoot quantum energy in them yes. and make them better or whatever they Unclear what her powers yeah. are. Uh, we'll get there. Anyway, so she's been subsisting somehow in this magical quantum realm for 30 years. And they're like, okay, we gotta go get her. They need Scott Lang, they need Paul Rudd for this because he has some link with her because in the first movie, he went into the quantum realm and they briefly interacted. Intertwined. Entangled, actually. Entangled. Yeah, there's a good entangling joke in the movie. So... He, there. So he's compelled to help them, even though he's like two days away from getting off house arrest. He's compelled to help them because. Oh, by the way, spoilers all throughout. This is everything we were saying. We're literally spoiling the entire. Yeah. Movie. Uh, he's compelled to help them because he feels bad about going to Germany and kind of getting them in trouble. And he loves Evangeline Jolie. And they're in love, and Evangeline he hasn't been on good terms with them since going to Germany because basically it was their technology, so they're fugitives as well as him. So he's like, okay, I do owe you guys. I'm going to help you out with this, but I really can't jeopardize being in prison for the next 20 years, so et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So good. Plenty of stakes. World's not going to explode, but everybody has a personal reason to be doing what they're doing. Enter into this equation Ghost, whose parents were killed in a quantum experiment that was made necessary because uh, Michael Douglas got her father fired, so she's angry at Michael Douglas, and she wants to somehow get also get Michelle Pfeiffer out of the quantum realm but just enough so that she can extract all the quantum energy from her. She basically her. wants to absorb Michelle Pfeiffer. She wants, ab- she wants to she wants to suck the extract energy. all of the energy yeah. from her. Put it into herself so that she killing Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Uh this this accident that Ghost was in, Eva, um it made her kind of Disassociated. Her particles are disassociated. Was she big in the comics? No, she's like a very minor character. I feel like she's a Metal, I think Ghost Metal is a Gear man. Solid villain. She's an awesome villain. I love that power that she phases through things. And the way they animate it is so cool where when she's in a fight, you see her body kind of going in two different directions. And whichever one look cool. isn't getting hit is the one she kind of resolves into. And it's like, you can hit her occasionally, but... It's kind of 50-50 if you punch her, if you're going to go right through her or yeah. make contact. Yeah, it was cool. You never really know. Um, and that's very quantum of her. Uh, it, yeah, it was a super cool power. She was a cool character. I loved her. Um, super sympathetic because you're like, yeah, your whole life has sucked because of this thing that was kind of a butterfly effect that Michael Douglas set in motion. Uh, and she also, the other thing that I think is cool is that she is, because of this quantum disassociation that she's suffering is in pain constantly. She didn't act in pain that much, but no. she kept saying, I'm in so much pain, I'm yeah, in so much pain. Yeah, she said it enough that you believe Fine, it. I buy it. You're used to it by now. You're yeah. what, 29 years old? Sure. She seemed about that age. Yeah. Anyway, um, she's a very sympathetic villain. The only non-complex sympathetic character in this is Walton Goggins, who just seems to be a nefarious like businessman who owns a restaurant and Yeah, but he's also his- like kind of the fun villain. Who he's a villain that's there, never he, that threatening. Yeah, you know he doesn't that. have much of a chance. He's there to lose. He has no powers, so yeah. he's not going to be that important. Uh, yeah, and he's kind of just a an X factor being thrown into this that like puts a little extra pressure on everybody. Anyway, they eventually do get to the quantum realm. There's a lot of chase scenes and fights and other things, but they pull Michelle Pfeiffer out. She's able to just heal Ghost Eva by just touching her. So the whole thing was kind of like hey, why were we ever fighting in the first place, right? Uh, and, yeah, the movie ends. Good times. Then there's a post credit stinger, which is... This is the real spoiler. I mean, this was so crazy because the movie was so lighthearted and good-natured. Great post credit scene. And then one of the darkest, most upsetting post credit scenes of any of these movies where they send Scott into the quantum realm to harvest some more of this energy that they're going to feed to Ghost. Yeah, they're turning into a corporation. Yeah. And while he's in there, all three people manning the controls <laughs> to pull him back out, that's Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and 
Catherine, oh, I'm sorry, I keep wanting to say Catherine Zeta-Jones, because Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer. Uh, they're all snapped out of existence by Thanos. Fantastic. Gotta love Thanos. And it's just, like, Scott's just in the quantum realm, screaming for help as the movie, like, fades to black. Love it. Oh, it's brutal. It's Our universal really... father <laughs> comes again to just improve another movie. What a guy. Just improve another movie. I love him. Uh, yeah, so Thanos um, strands Scott in the quantum realm, basically, which has interesting implications, because maybe now he'll get some quantum powers. Don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, presumably he'll be able to touch heal people. Yeah, or maybe he'll learn how to time travel, because there is a little bit of implication of, like, time works differently in the quantum realm, and you yeah. can go into and live memories out the same, you know, the way that you did before. Uh, yeah, very interesting, fun movie all around, very much enjoyed it. I liked it a lot more than, uh, Infinity War, personally. that's a horrible thing to say, Dan. It's a true thing to say. <clears throat> it's a terrible thing to say. A lot more fun, Such not a more enjoyable. Movie. Such a different movie. So much more enjoyable. This was, uh, this was a fun, lighthearted movie. <laughs> it was excellent. I like my movies Did with minimal really. conflict, and I like everyone to resolve their things, their issues <laughs> yeah, you, at the end, and get along. You said that you don't really enjoy having a real villain. No, I like Which I makes like sense when that you didn't like. I my War. favorite thing is when the villain of a movie is just the struggles that we all face in our lives as human beings interacting with other people. The only villain is misunderstanding. Uh, that is. <laughs> And that is so true in this movie. That's a terrible way to make films. The only villain in real life is the lack of understanding. And it's true in this movie because, uh, you know, you see Eva and Michael Douglas, they, they both are like, I, you know, I need to control this thing. I need to control this thing. It's like, hey, guys, if, if we just sat down and like, we're like, hey, look, let's all help each other out. Everything's fine. I think sometimes you just need a villain that wants to wipe out half the universe. Sometimes you need a star. <laughs> Sometimes you want a supporting villain, Dan. I want no. a superstar no, no, no. villain. I want that's here. I to want just to wipe villain. everyone out and throw planets at people. I I want the villain to be the fact that life is hard, and you know that we are put into challenging situations that are you know that that put us in 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 positions that are they're difficult to extricate ourselves from, and often put us in opposition to people that we have no ill will against. That you know, uh, they they're just. Uh, cast by by the wheel of fate uh, to the other side of the this uh, conflict. All right. Let's talk about our elder stars. Yeah. Uh, Michael Douglas, we already covered a little bit. He does this sort of surly Yeah, he's thing. very curmudgeonly. Does he like acting? I don't know. He does have a very good chemistry with Paul Rudd, though, which I think is nice. They're fun. Um, and I, know, I like a lot of the interplay where... But then, who doesn't have a good chemistry with Paul Rudd? I can't think of a single human have, being on Earth. How could you not have good chemistry with yeah. him? Uh, I like the interplay of him, you know, being into his daughter and him watching that whole thing. Um, what, do you, what do you mean being into his daughter? Well, they had a lot of they had a lot of scenes where like he's overlooking Paul Rudd. Oh, oh, oh yeah, flirting or looking at Evangeline Lilly. Well, I do like That's that. Fun. Yeah, they acknowledge that they're like there's this romance going on, and also like her father is constantly there. Yeah. <laughs> it it does feel true to the fact that like oh yeah like it's nice that you're reconnecting and you're in love, but it's like equally awkward as it would be if you were trying to date a girl with her father on every date with yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's good. I mean, he does, he plays his role as well as I think anybody would play that role. He's very well cast. Uh, it's funny. The, you know, the humor is good. Yeah. Uh, I think he's solid. Michelle Pfeiffer is a hard one to judge because I feel like she's barely it's in the movie. It's a hard one to judge also because <laughs> her best scene was delivered by Paul Rudd. Yes, yes. Like, that, um, the best part of, of what she has to offer is Paul yeah. Rudd. So there's a moment in the movie where she takes over Paul Rudd's mind and body and is talking to her family from Paul Rudd's body. And that's another thing I love. I don't think I've told you about this. Another thing I love in movies is when actors get the chance to play other actors. Yeah, as great. Yeah, like, as themselves. So, like, Jumanji, that movie, like... You know, pretty, like, unexpectedly fun summer movie a year ago. Dan, I didn't know you were such a closet Jumanji fan. I'm not a huge fan. I love Jumanji. What what struck me about it and what made me like it a million times more is how good Jack, Jack Black, Black is at Amazing. personifying a high school girl. Mm -hmm. 
it just nails it. And I think that's always so impressive when you just take an actor, somebody who's a good actor, and say, okay, study this person and kind of, like, become it's them. It's, it's like they get to really show off. And I think a lot of actors jump at that opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, that's a lot of fun. And Paul Rudd does an amazing job being Michelle Pfeiffer and being very, like, weirdly maternal. sentimental and maternal. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was a great scene uh, that Michelle Pfeiffer does not do. Um, and then, yeah, she's in it very little. And I feel like even more so than Michael Douglas, she's like, I don't know what any of this shit is. Yeah, yeah she has no idea. She's like, okay, quantum, okay. Because even her character, there's so many scenes where she's like, I'm different now. I've been in the quantum realm for 30 years. And it's like, well, okay, well, how? Like, she's like, just in a lot of ways. Yeah. Many, in many ways. <laughs> like, both physical and mental. Like, okay. <laughs> I've aged 30 years. Of course I'm different. Yeah. Uh, but once again, I mean, she's in it so little that it doesn't, it's not a detriment to the movie. She's not asked to do any real heavy Yeah, do you think she'll be back? Is this it for Ant-Man? No, there will be an, one more at least. You think so? Yeah, I mean, these have been successful. These have been doing well. And the story's not really they got to turn over these superheroes at some point, right? What? They're going to shift, right, to new superheroes. Yeah, but Ant-Man's very much a part of the second wave. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, unless, unless Paul Rudd has said, you know, like, I'm... I don't know. I think they've had two. And I think Ant-Man is one of the more, like liked uh he's gonna be in infinity wars true or whatever it's called not gonna be called endgame my impression was that after they made the first one i don't know if it was like a done deal that there would be a sequel to the first one and i think it like both it performed well and the cast was yeah, like on board so they said we'll do we're gonna do another one and i think this thing you get at least one more out of it okay uh and if there is another one out of it like that's also a reason why I say there needs to be another one because Michelle Pfeiffer is like a non-factor in she this. She has unexplained superpowers at this point. And I feel like that has to come back into play yeah. at some point. Yeah, so uh, I think I think absolutely do another one. Uh, yeah, because I think your second wave of heroes is like Captain Marvel, Forefront, mm-hmm. Black Panther, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, and... Uh, I agree with the first three. I don't know about Ant-Man. Well, who else is who else is in this world at this point? Who's like a second wave Guardians? I don't, I don't really know what they're gonna do. I think yeah, Guardians Scarlet have another Witch. movie. Scarlet, I don't know if uh, if she persists into the future. She's I'm just not, a weird one to. I'm know. honestly not sure what they're gonna do. Black Widow might get her own movie, but uh, yeah. yeah. Well, because it makes me think, you know, the, the the heroes that are left for Infinity War two are the originals. Yeah. Plus like, Ant-Man. Plus, plus Ant-Man. Plus Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon. Right. But like, <laughs> those are, that's the group that you th- kind of think of as, it's the end of that age, right. and they're going to another age. So, I'm a little worried about Ant-Man. The, the, no, I think they've left Ant-Man in it for the very specific reason that they, like, there's going to be time travel in the next one, and they need someone to facilitate that. Allegedly. I can almost promise you there. I know you've travel. done quite a bit of Whether research. by memory... You or... love spoiling movies for yourself. I don't... It's not spoiling. <laughs> like, it's, uh... It's hype... It's getting, you know... It's yeah, okay. antici- Anticipation building. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see that. Um, alright. So, the, uh... So, the yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer... Uh, yeah, fine, but felt, like, very much of a non-entity in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, she was cool. Uh, yeah, like I don't know. Maybe there's some scenes, more scenes of her that got left out or whatever. But the, yeah, I felt like she barely showed up. Well, we'll we'll judge her on uh, Maleficent too. Beneficent. Beneficent. Ma- Maleficent two colon Beneficent. Beneficent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so um, Michael Douglas over the kill. No, he's he's good. He's like he's, yeah, I mean good, good good to keep playing. This role, or I gotta got like be honest. It. Like the old Michael Douglas doesn't stand out in my mind that much. What so, do you mean stand out in what way? As like a as like an acting force, mm. where he's probably better now than he. So was. you think he's come more into his own as he's aged? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, uh, I think he suits an older man. Yeah, he he does surly very well. Um, what about Michelle? Um, 
I say keep them coming, baby. Oh. I think she's looking just as boxy as ever. She's I think not she exactly is. Catwoman in this. Oh, she is better. Oh. She's got that that silver fox look going on. I am way, way buying in, investing in the Michelle Pfeiffer uh, CPO. <laughs> IPO? IPO, yeah. Well, it's not initial. It's, the, <laughs> it's not initial? It's definitely not the initial. <laughs> what's, the, what's the old version of an IPO? <laughs> I don't know. I say bye, bye, bye. Okay. <laughs> Get those CPOs. Greed is good. Get those CPUs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love both of them. I think they're both good. Um, so I say not over the kill. Um, Tears of the Sun? Tears of the Sun. Good question. Um, I You know what? I think this movie is too much fun not to like. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say it's too much fun for my dad to like <laughs> <laughs> too many laughs in this yeah, one. Yeah, too too much uh, tomfoolery. Uh, yeah, that's know. that's gonna be a no for me, dog. Yeah, the the uh, the quantum talk is a little worrisome for the. Honestly, I think for the baby boomers. I think if my father saw this movie, Michael Pena would be his favorite part. But who would not like Paul Rudd? Is it possible? I don't think, I don't it, think it would be about not liking Paul Rudd. I think it would be, a, like. On the one hand, yeah, the quantum talk being a little bit like, okay, like, give me something I can like understand here. What do you? What are we talking about? Yeah. This is a lot of nonsense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, get him on the right day, maybe you like. Something. All right, you've convinced me. It might be a no. It, it's probably a no. I think it's very situational. It's about mood. It's about time of day, yeah, it's, weather it's, conditions, humidity. It's rough. Yeah. Uh, quantum alignment quantum quantum entanglement probability fields <laughs> probability fields oh that is a good callback to yeah. the movie there there are probability fields thank you very much yeah we'll set them between three and seven <laughs> you and i arguing just like old times <laughs> yeah uh yeah that that's a very astute point paul uh michelle Pfeiffer's best scene was 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 performed by paul <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, very true i like that they put their little house on the beach at the end it was very it was a very uh up moment yeah it even looked like that house. It did look like that house. That's a good call. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp, I'm sorry. Uh, Ant-Man. Ant-Man and the White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Now, there's a movie I'd like to see. Uh, <laughs> this has been Over the Kill. If you made it this far through the podcast, please give us a like. Please give us a subscribe, a review. Really, the subscribes and the reviews are the, the meat... Uh, on that sandwich, um, the, uh-huh. the likes are just kind of the, the bread. Yep. Uh, they're good. Yeah. You, know? you don't want to leave them out, but well, you can't have a good sandwich without a good piece. Yeah, of bread, but right? I'd also rather have just a lot of meat than two pieces of bread. That's a good point. You know? Yeah. Any day. So so start with the meat, then then remember to add the bread later. Yeah. That's uh that's my sandwich making tip for the day, and also my my tip in terms of subscribing and reviewing our podcast well as always this has been over the kill over the kill is over and out